Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and following. Hear the word of the Lord. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. I was recently working on a house project in my house and it was one of those things where I told Megan, ah, this will take a couple days, and that was in early January, and I'm still not finished. And uh, you know how it goes, right? You're like, oh, it'll just take a couple hours to finish this one thing, and like 17 Home Depot trips later, and like 15 hours in an all-nighter, you're still in the same place, right? It just happens that way, you know? I, I dramatically underestimated the amount of work that was to be done in this particular project. I was building a an addition into an, the attic in my house, trying to move the laundry room into the attic area. And, uh, and so I'm building it, and, and I underestimated, the first thing I did is I underestimated uh, that, that, the, the, that the ceiling joist that would be my new floor would be unlevel. They use different size boards, and so it's like, you know, one board is like this, the other is higher or the lower. So it was a nightmare. I'm having to cut shims and like before I can lay the subfloor so that we can put the floor down and build the foundation. And so it was long in the day on, uh, it was a Friday in, in uh, January, I think. It was long into the day, and I was frustrated about the progress that I'd made that particular day. And I was tired. I'd been on my knees all day long. And this just so happened to be about the same time that one of our friends came over to pick up one of our kids for a play date. And uh, I'm getting tired. I lose my footing. Guys, and I kid you not, I fall almost all the way through the ceiling. I mean, it's not like just a foot. It's like both feet through and I catch myself on the ceiling joist like this. And, uh, and I almost fall all the way through and like literally two four by eight sheets of drywall fall to the playroom and all of that blown in insulation goes off like a bomb in my house. It's wild. It's crazy. It took me forever. And, and the reason why I fell was because I was getting tired and I thought that the work that I was doing should have gone faster. I was trying to build something fast that couldn't be built fast. That was the issue. Now, Jesus indicates a similar reality today that, that you are going to be tempted in your life to build something fast for God, a spiritual house, that's kind of the metaphor that he uses for the Christian life. You're going to be tempted to build something fast that cannot be built fast. And if you try to build it fast, it can't be built on Jesus. And if you don't build it on Jesus, it's going to fall, is what he's saying. It cannot last, in this particular sense, it cannot last the day of judgment. But it also can't last in life. It can't last through circumstances. There's nothing that it's built on. So here's my question as we dig in today. Are you willing to hook yourself into the deep and long work of Jesus Christ as He makes you more like Himself through the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to endeavor to do that? Are you so eager to build something quick and fast and slap some duct tape on it and try to get by? That's the question we got to ask. One of my favorite authors, Eugene Peterson, has a book entitled 
along obedience in the same direction. And I think it's a great description of the Christian life. So here's our big idea for today. Following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience in the same direction. So what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 7 is He closes up this sermon on the mount uh, that spans from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. It's basically the only sermon that Jesus ever preaches kind of in a monologue style fashion where He has His disciples sitting and He preaches to them in that sense. And... and um, he closes it out with this parable. And a parable is a story uh, that makes a point. And so what we're trying to get at today is what is the point that Jesus wants to make with the men that build two different houses? And so um, the, 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 kind of the question that we're looking at as we, as we answer that question is what are you building with your life and why are you building it? If, if your life's work, everything that you aimed your life at was a house, what would it look like and how long would it stand? So let's dig into Matthew chapter 7. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in verse 24 through 27. And we're just going to pick this thing apart this morning. i got a few observations, three observations that I see in this that I want to make. And then I've got some takeaways for us uh, there at the end. Here's the first one. That there are two different men that build similar houses. Two different men who build two similar houses. So think about this in Matthew chapter 7 here. Both guys, they build these similar-looking houses with their, with their lives. You know, spiritually speaking, these guys kind of do the same things with their lives. They maybe attend the same church. They go to the same missional community. Uh, they're both generous toward their church. They both are actively involved in their churches. They memorize the same scriptures. They do the same acts of mercy and justice. They look the same on the outside. Now, who are these two men? Well, the first one is the Sandman. And I'm not talking about the guy, the, the DC uh, comic guy that can like read your dreams. The Sandman. The guy that builds his house on the sand, okay? It, some of you comic book junkies know what I'm talking about there, but anyway. Uh, so, so Jesus says that this fellow right here we see in Matthew chapter 7, uh, in, in, um, in verse 26, that this fellow is, he calls him a foolish man. Now, that's not a kind word to say. It must have, must pack some punch behind it. Uh, so here's why this guy is, is foolish. Um, this guy wants a house. Both of these guys want a house near the water. We know that because the flood comes up, right? Who doesn't want a house near the water? We all want a beach house or a house on the river, right? We all want that. So these guys kind of move into the same cul-de-sac. They, they pull the same permits, and they start building these houses. And uh, this guy, the, the, the Sandman, he doesn't consult anyone. He's the guy that just watches a YouTube video and gets after it. You know what I'm talking about? He just starts going after it. He has all the materials delivered to the house and he just begins to build. His mentality is this. Build this house as quickly as possible. We'll get her done. We just got to get it done as quickly as we can. We've got to get into this house as quickly as we can. This man um, has, has a lavish home built before the other man on the other side of the cul-de-sac has even started building his house. He's already got the thing finished. He's moving in the moving trucks there. Everything looks good. Now, spiritually speaking, this is the guy, church, that has all the questions and no answers. This is the guy that can't be taught anything. He, he doesn't have any humility. Uh, whatever Scripture you've got memorized, he's got more. You know, however money you've given away, given away he's given more. However many acts of mercy and justice you've done, he's done more. 
He's done more. This guy is the guy that looks at the lifestyle of a Christian as described in the, in, the, in the Scriptures, and he begins to reverse engineer his life in such a fashion to mimic what he sees in others. Well, there's an oversight in the process. He, he begins to build this facade on the outside. You know what a facade is? It's, it's basically a false exterior. Uh, it's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig, right? It, it's a, it tries to dress up something that's decaying. He builds this facade of a life, but it lacks the power of God for true godliness. He's got all the right signifiers, but he's overlooked something very important. Now let's look at this other guy. This is the rock man. Now I'm not talking about the rock like Dwayne Johnson, the rock, the, the actor. I'm talking about the wrestler. I mean, come on, let's be honest. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the guy who builds his house on the rock. Now this man has all the same desires to build a house. He but he has an altogether different premise for life. He does things differently. This man has been saving money. He's been planning. He's been counting the cost. He's been wanting to put in the craftsmanship of something that will last. He dreams of his grandkids playing in the house that he's building. He dreams of his grandkids owning the faith that he has. He's not interested in quick fixes. He, he wishes that he could be farther along than he is. He knows that he can't build his house with his own wisdom and strength. He likes YouTube as well. But he knows that if he wires his own house, it will burn to the ground. Can I get an amen? He consults the architects, the engineers, the professionals as he builds. He's a teachable man who seems to be humble. He's got a lot of skills. He's got a lot of gifts. But he knows in this particular instance he can't trust himself. He may have even been tempted to look at the other man on the other side of the street and see the quick progress that he has. And he, and he thinks to himself on the inside, God, why can't this process be any quicker? Why can't I move in faster? But he knows that if he takes shortcuts, next year he won't have a house. It'll be gone. And now spiritually speaking, Jesus says that this man is a wise man. He's the one who comes after Jesus. He doesn't start building the spiritual edifice of a life without thinking it through. He's not interested in appearances. He's thinking through his spiritual house lasting the distance. He's thinking about finishing the race instead of just starting it. He's not interested in a facade. He wants it to be what it is. And even though he's tempted to think, man, I wish the process could go faster. I wish I could be farther along in my walk with Jesus than I am. He's unwilling to compromise the process. Now, although the other man has moved into his house and this man is just now moving the dirt, he's confident in the blueprint even though he experiences all of these apparent setbacks in life. And so that's the first observation I want to make there. These two guys built two houses that look very similar but their premise for building is way different. Now the second observation is this. There's a storm that comes along. The same storm church hits both houses. So a, a year or so later, uh, both houses are, are finally finished. You know, the, the guy who builds the house quick has been in it you know, for the better part of nine months. And I mean, they're hanging Christmas lights up. I mean, they're taking them down. I mean, they're, they're just fully moved in. The boxes are gone. 
But this other guy, he's still kind of walking through a maze of boxes in his house. They're just now getting moved in. And so this, this, this storm comes up. This, this rain, this, this wind, this, this flood comes about. And, and he looks out the window. Both men look out the window, and, and the trees are starting to sway. Remember when Irma came through? You looked at those trees, you're like, I don't think that tree's supposed to do that. The trees are swaying. This is Israel, but it's, the, it's, the, it's a similar context of when a squall comes up on the sea or the river. It can get ferocious. And, uh, and one guy, he looks out the window, and he begins to think, ah, my house will withstand this. The other guy is freaking out. He, gets, he goes to the garage, he gets his flashlight, he puts his tool belt on, and he is going outside, he's tacking up shingles, He's, he's trying to get the siding back on the house. He's putting caulk in places that he skipped. He's trying to seal this thing up and keep it together as the storm comes. But what happens with the other man, the guy who builds his house on the rock, is he's sleeping like a baby through the night. He's at rest because he did the long, hard work of building his house the right way. So spiritually speaking, these, these storms hit both guys' houses. Both men's families. And, and the storm, we'll say, is this. I'm not going to split hairs and say the rain means this, the flood means this. I don't think Jesus kind of gets down to the, to the details there. But we, we know that the storms mean this. That they're the things that happen to human beings as we live and walk in a fallen world. Right? Those are the things that happen. So, so sickness, disease, disappointment, struggle, death. The things that strike us. And they leave us stopped in our tracks. These happen to both men. So it doesn't matter if you've been walking with Jesus, you've built your house on the bedrock, or you've built your house on the sand. It doesn't matter which one. The same storm hits. And I don't know about you, sometimes I'm tempted to think, God, why did this storm hit me? Why is this happening to me? Lord, do you see me? I've been walking faithfully with you. Church, the same storm hits both of us. And what I'm beginning to see about these storms is that they are a hidden means of grace to reveal to us what our lives are really built on. God's in control of them. I've shared this quote a lot um, because it's a really good quote. I'll share it again. It's from John Owen. He says this, Trials and temptations put nothing into a man. They only draw out what was in him before. So think about this with your life. You are tempted to think that, that, that the, the, the storm that you've gone through, the, the trial, the temptation, the struggle that you have, somehow it, your life would be better if that thing wasn't in your life. Well, Jesus is saying the thing that's in your heart would still be in your heart even if that circumstance never hits your life. He's after your heart, church. Of course, we're not in paradise right now. We're not there yet, but Jesus is building something in the midst of this fallen world. The Scriptures say in Revelation 21, Behold, I am making all things new. Not that I am going to make all things new. He is going to do that, but He's started now. He's making all things new. And it's an ongoing work. And the storm in your life is a, is a, is a means of grace for you to see what the, the, the foundation of the house that you're building is really on. So if you're, you're struggling through something and your life is just wrecked and you can't see Jesus anymore, it would be a good, good time to consider what the house is built on. Or maybe you've endured something and you thought, man, I'm more... You guys know my wife was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis about 18 months ago and, 
And my thought initially, I preached a sermon in that gym, and I said this, my wife can't close her Bible and I can't open mine. You know what it revealed in me? Man, there's some places that maybe I'm not on the right foundation, you know? Most of the houses, but maybe there's some places where I'm kind of building sandcastles over here, right? God reveals that to us. Here's the third observation, church. Both houses have different outcomes. I, I love the parallel account of this in the Gospel of Luke. Here's how he describes this parable. He says this, Luke, 40, Luke 6, 47, and 48. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house, get this, who dug deep, that's key, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream broke against the house and it couldn't shake it because it had been well built. One man, here's what you notice, church. One man was willing to do shovel work. Yeah, that's mud. It's out of my yard. One man was willing to do shovel work. One man was willing to put the shovel to the ground to do work that no one would ever see for the sake of his house lasting the distance. His spiritual edifice lasting the distance. He dug down deep to the rock. The word there is Petra, and it means, it means like a bedrock, not just like a, like a rock you find in your yard, like a bedrock, getting down to the core, the, the, the strongest thing imaginable under the earth, getting to the rock. You know, there's a city that's in ancient Jordan called Petra. You know what it is? It's a city carved out of a giant piece of rock. It's amazing. You should Google it. It looks awesome. But it, it's, 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 it's built, and you know how long it's lasted? 2,300 years, the, sit, the, the, the buildings are still there because they've been made out of rock. It's amazing. Now, spiritually speaking, one man is building something for God. The other man is being built through God. You see the difference? The guys look the same on the outside. One man is crafting something and he wants to show it to God. Look, God, aren't you proud of me? The other guy knows God deeply because he's walked with Him for years and years through heartache and struggle. And he's pleased to see Jesus work through him. There's just a difference there. And I don't think it's subtle. Now, the, the other thing that we notice here is that this whole thing is kind of about obedience here. Now, this makes us uncomfortable to talk about obedience because we're so tempted that we're going to go into this legalism that this is works-based righteousness. What Jesus says is that the evidence of the house is found in what you do with Jesus' works in life. Do they begin to shape and transform your life? Or are they just kind of on this shelf over here that you talk about every once in a while? I mean, listen to how he puts it in uh, Matthew 7.24. Everyone then here who does these words of mine, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like this man. Now in verse 28 he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like this man. So it's, it's really about this combination of hearing and also doing. They're kind of coupled together in the life of the Christian who builds their house on the rock. So what does that underground work? You know, because as Thomas Merton said, he, he says it like this, people spend their whole lives climbing the ladder only to find once they reach the top, the ladder is against the wrong wall. Okay, this is what we're trying to avoid, church. This is what I'm trying to, to, to prayerfully ask you to consider this morning. Which 
wall is your ladder leaning against. Because it doesn't matter that you're climbing. It matters which house you're building. One actually believes in Jesus enough to be transformed by the gospel. This is the person that refuses to keep Jesus at arm's length. His heart begins to burn for Jesus more and more. His his heart begins to beat for Jesus more and more. And, And because of this, this person who builds their house on the rock will look at other people and be tempted to think, why can't I be farther along? Or have you ever asked this question? Why am I still struggling with this sin? Anyone else in here ask that question? Like, why am I still dealing with this? I came to you, Jesus. We still struggle with the same things. And that's because Jesus is often leading us to underground work. And what is that underground work? It's faith and repentance. And here's the deal. We don't celebrate faith and repentance often. I've never had someone come up to me and say, man... I just really appreciate how you're putting the, 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 the foot to the, the shovel and, and really repenting well. I can really see it in your house. No one comes up and says that, do they? They don't celebrate the things that are underground. But the things that are underground are the things that make the house last. So here's a couple takeaways, guys, as we get into this. I think there's, there's, there's kind of two camps you can be in this morning. Either, either you are following Jesus and you're tempted to kind of make some sandcastles over here and base your life on those things, but your house is really on the rock. You just kind of struggle and you're building these sandcastles over here. And then there's other people in here, you're realizing maybe for the first time this morning that your house was never built on the rock. And, and God wants, desires to show both of us something. And so I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. One of us is struggling really with this idea of justification, which means this. It's a legal standing where we are once and for all declared right with God through the work of Jesus. It's, it's the bedrock that we've based our life on. Jesus is saying to these religious Pharisees who've got a lot of activity in the church and, 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 and in religion, he's saying, listen, if it's not all based on Jesus, it's going to collapse, I promise. So, so here's the diagnostic for us. If we're really in Christ or we're not. It's this. Do you have a pattern of growing obedience through the revealed Word of God in your life? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you see sin here and there in your life, um, but you desire to repent and move further into God's grace. I'm not talking about you there. That's more of a sanctification issue. I'm talking about like you, you just really, just sin in your life, it can just kind of be there and you can just kind of brush it off and keep going with life. Jesus says your house is going to collapse. It's going to fall. It's not going to last. Now, I don't like telling you that because that doesn't make me very likable, okay? But here's the deal. If I don't tell you that, you're going to get to the end of time and your house is going to collapse and you're not going to be with Jesus because you've never been with Jesus. So if that's you here this morning, I just want to, in the kindest way, beg you to consider following Jesus. Beg you to dig down deep and unpack your life in light of what Jesus has done. Now, now, the second camp is this. Is it's more of a sanctification issue for you. And, and what, here's what that word means. It's a, it's a word in the Scriptures. It's this ongoing work of God's grace. So you've, been, you, you've, you've put your house in the rock. you put your footings in the rock. And you're building this house by the power of the Holy Spirit. But God is continuing to show Himself to you. He's continuing to change you as you walk with Him. And you're becoming more and more like Jesus. But you realize that, man, I just constantly have to keep coming back to the foundation. 
Here's what I want to tell you today. That's the normal trajectory of the Christian life. You have to keep coming back to the foundation. You've got to go down to the basement pretty often to make sure that you're still building on the rock. And so, here's just two questions to consider. Why am I so prone to build my life on the sand? I mean, this is the normal trajectory of the human heart. To build your house on the sand because it's quick, fast, effortless, and it looks pretty cool. But then when the, when, the, when the tide comes up, it's gone, right, the next morning. And so, every day that we, we don't see some more kind of studs and shingles being built on our spiritual house, we begin to get tempted to say, is God building my life or not? Is it, am I making any progress in the Christian life or not? We begin to ask those sorts of questions. So what's the sand for me? And maybe this will help you consider it for yourself. It's trying to build a, a family based on the appearance and behavior of my kids. It's trying to say, look, because my kids turned out well, I must be a good dude. Right? Let's do it for the kids. That's a sand plan, guys. It's trying to build a marriage based on the happiness of my wife. What's that saying? Happy wife, happy life? That is so anti-gospel. That's just saying, let's just let everything go. Let's try to make Megan happy. And then life will be good. And then when the kids move out of the house, we'll get divorced. That's what happens, right? When you live by that mantra. It's about deep faith and repentance as you walk in life. It's trying to build a church with nickels and noses. You know, last week I was super discouraged. The attendance was down, you know, it was rainy. Like, God, are you building your church or not? I get hyper-focused on this stuff because my identity is so caught up in the progress of the church. It's a sand plan. It's trying to build a reputation with my ability to win people over and please them. Every time someone comes up to me and they got a problem, I think I'm the problem. That's a sand plan. It won't last. It's an endless hamster wheel of approval that has the shakiest foundation imaginable. Here's, here's where the gospel comes in for us, church, if that's you this morning. If I touched on any part of your life. Maybe you're like me, and if you're honest, you tend to get insecure about where you're at with God, and you tend to find yourself kind of reeling for approval, reeling for indicators that, that you're enough, that you're doing enough, that you're a good enough husband or wife, that you're a good enough parent, that you're a good enough disciple maker. You're looking for nothing. You catch yourself pleading for approval on your social media or in your conversations. You're, you're kind of subtly saying, hey, God, look at what I'm building, guys. Do you like it? You're just saying it over and over again. Here's what you need to hear this morning. Philippians 1.6. And I'm sure of this. He, this is key. Who's building it? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Church, He will complete you. He will finish you. He will do the work. You can take it to the bank because He started it. He finishes it. We've got to cling to this in these days. Trade your, your, your sandcastle bucket in for a shovel and dig. Dig down deep. So what's it begin to look like for us to build our house on the rock? To pick up the shovel. To do shovel work. You know, when, you, when someone comes into your house and they look at it and they're like, oh man, this is a great house. If I were to ask you, what's the most important tool 
in the building of a house. You know, you probably see the hammer, right? Because you've got to put the wood up and the studs. Or maybe the siding or, you know, maybe the, the shingles and the roof and all that. Well, what is it really? It's the shovel or the digger, as my kids call them. It's the shovel because if you don't have a shovel and you don't dig down deep, there's no house next year. It doesn't matter how good it looks right now. So what's it look like, church, for us to begin to engage in shovel work as we follow Jesus? Well, it's, it's considering emotional health for one. So it's, it's understanding that, that the pain and emotion that life draws out in you, that there's something behind it in you. That the numbness that you have, that there's something behind it in you. That the tears that come up in your eyes when certain things happen, there's something behind it. And it's trusting God enough to dig down deep and process what's going on and let the Holy Spirit deal with the pain, the frustration, and the hurt that's in your life because it is affecting the whole house, whether you know it or not. It's about integrity. It's, it's seeing the little hidden parts of us that are not in line with God's Word and being convicted and doing something about those things. It's, it's, the, it's the little lies. It's the little cheating. It's the, it's the little lack of integrity here and there that will ultimately make the whole house fall if they're not dealt with. You know, if, if a guy uses one-inch nails instead of two-inch nails when he's building something, there's going to be an integrity difference on down the road. How deep are you willing to go? It's, it's, it's faithfulness. It's believing that commitment to God, to His people, and His gospel over time has a compounding spiritual impact on our souls and our walks and the world. Are you willing to go deep? It's teachability. It's, it's being quicker to listen and slower to speak. It's having more questions and less answers. That's the deep work where we enter into, where we wade through the mystery of life in Christ, which is Christ in us. We can't figure it out all the time. We're not comfortable with mystery, are we? We like the answers. We like Wikipedia, right? Give me an answer. When you follow Jesus, there's a lot of mystery involved. You don't understand why things happen. But the promise we take to, bank, to the bank is this, is that He finishes what He starts. Always has, always will. He'll finish you. I want to share this verse with you as we close. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to Him, who is a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Church, we as a church have to begin and continue celebrating coming back to the gospel. I was in a conversation this week with um, one of my friends who happens to be a, a church planning coach for me, and he says, I, I'm, I had the Monday blues, okay? It's just something that some pastors deal with, and particularly really simple ones like myself. Um, you just kind of get down in the pit on Mondays, right? You're like, man, God, what are you doing? You're just all isolated, and you're, you're wondering what God's doing with your life. And, and I had a coaching meeting, uh, which I intentionally put those meetings on Monday because I need to be encouraged then. And um, he begins to tell me, he begins to, to have a caveat to his answer to his reply to me as he's talking with me about the gospel. He says, now you already know this, but you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you anyway. And just everything in me just kind of resisted. Travis, I already know that. I don't need to know it again. All right? It's already up here. But I'm like yelling at him, right? I'm, like fr I'm obviously frustrated. You know why? Because my theology and my reality don't match. 
I know that I'm God's son, that I'm his beloved, that he loves me, but I feel like an orphan who's trying to earn his approval. You know what? I need to go down to the basement in those moments and check the foundation. Because once you see the foundation is secure, you keep walking on. Peter's saying, as you come to him, Church, we got to keep coming back to Jesus. we got to keep coming back to the Gospel. The Gospel is not just what gets you in the gates, alright? It's what the whole house is built on. It's, it's not the, um, you know, it, it's, it's not the, the launch pad for a rocket ship, right? I think Jack Miller talks about this. It's the foundation of the house, right? A lot of times we think it's just kind of the launch pad that gets us out into a spiritual orbit. And all we're doing is building sandcastles. How can we as a church begin to celebrate shovel work more quickly? I mean, I, I was thinking about what spiritual, the trajectory of what I think my spiritual life should look like. And I, I think it's supposed to look a little bit like this, right? Like, man, like I started following Jesus and man, it's just been awesome. I mean, I just can't believe it. It's just been great. You know what it really looks like? Like this. Am I right? I mean, there's times you feel like you are going backwards. You're like, man, I'm a bigger sinner than I was when I started this thing. But you know what you realize is the Holy Spirit just makes you more aware of what's always been going on. And you know what? His promise to you is this. He's not going to rip that foundation out from underneath you. It doesn't matter how many times you've got to rip boards out and replace them. The foundation stays secure and you are like living stones that are being built upon the cornerstone, the most important stone in the house. The, the stone that sets the square and the trajectory of everything else is so solid that it can never be broken because Jesus lives. So what are you going to do with that today, church? Where are you at? Are you in the camp where you, you say, man, I, my house hasn't really ever been built on the rock? Follow Jesus. Come give your life to Him. Or, or maybe you're in the camp where you're like, man, I just like building sandcastles. I got this great house on the rock, but I... Love building sandcastles. Whatever it is for you, I want to encourage you with where we started. Following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. So buckle up. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to You and we thank You. We, we thank You, God, that we can continue coming to You. And not only can we, You love for us to continue to come to You. Turn on the light, walk down the steps into the basement and check the foundation. It is steady, it is secure, it is the anchor. Lord, would you press us deeper into the work that you've done so that we don't build things that don't last? God, we can be really busy building a lot of spiritual junk. It doesn't really matter. Lord, would you make New City a church that has the heart to keep coming back to the Gospel because we know we're so prone to forget it. Lord, would you raise the dead today? Would you give life to the hurting? Would you change us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.